Welcome to the Abundant Woman Collective podcast, and we are doing a special series just for Advent, where every day for a few minutes, we will come into your earbuds and share with you biblical truth, bringing hope, and pointing you to Jesus during this Christmas season. It is going to be so good. Let's dig in. Hey, 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 friends. All right. Thank you so much for spending some time with me on your busy Saturday in December. That is not lost on me that you're here listening now. So we are going to dive right in. This episode is short, powerful, and sweet all at once. Okay. Today, friends, we're going to have our Bibles open to Titus chapter three, verses three through seven. Here we go. Verse three, at one time we were too foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Yes and amen. What a jam-packed scripture. This chapter in the Bible is telling us why Christians must live different than everyone else, which if you haven't read Titus, it's not that long. Start from the beginning and dig into the whole thing. Um, Verses 1 to 8 are telling us why true born-again believers should love the immoral and be kind to the most difficult of people, but not sin. (laughs) Verses 4 to 7 says, as a Christian, you are to live radically different. Why? Because God saved you when you were ungodly, immoral, and difficult. And if he had not forgiven you, you'd still be sin. You'll still be in sin. That's why. Verse three, where we start this scripture, says who we were basically describes our past life. It says at one time we were foolish. I've definitely been foolish, disobedient. My bad, that's me. Deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Yeah, enslaved. Like that word seems harsh. However, if you've lived a life where you're addicted to something, You take pleasure in something, even though you know it's wrong, you have passions that are ungodly, then you will know that enslaved is actually an appropriate word because you, you become like a slave to those sins and those things, right? It says that we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. You can turn on the news to see that that's true or open social media and there you have it. (laughs) But so he starts verse three with all of that, right? Verse four, my two favorite words, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, two of my favorite words in humanity are, but God, but God. Verse four says, but when the kindness and love of our God, of God, our savior appeared, but God is the opposite of everything described in the first verse, but means stop. We cancel everything that was said before it. And we start fresh with this, but so, but God sent baby Jesus to humanity. 
But God saved us, not because of us, but because of his mercy. We were the first verse, but we get to become heirs and have eternal life by the end of that scripture. I mean, what better? (laughs) We start as like foolish, disobedient kids, and we end that passage with become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. I mean, I'll take it. That's a win for me, guys, right? Okay, look at the emphasis on God being our Savior in these verses. In verse 4, he says, our Savior God. In verse 5, he saved us. Verse 6, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Last episode, Friday, if you didn't listen to it, head back and listen to it right after this. But we talk about why Christmas Christmas reminds us that we need a Savior. We talked about sin a little bit. We talked about why we celebrate Christmas, basically. And we talked about our need for a Savior. And friends, we can know God in so many capacities. He's our friend. He's our father. We love him. He's baby Jesus. He's Jesus on the cross. He's the Holy Spirit. But we have to know him as our Savior. We must know him as our Savior. Christmas means nothing without this. He rescued us, and we couldn't do it on our own. I love in the scripture, it says that he, let me go back to it, hold on. It says, he saved us. Not, what it doesn't say is Sam did everything she could and she was saved. It says that he saved us. He reached down to us because there was no way that we could get to him without this, without this baby Jesus. We couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't pay the price. No matter how rich you are, there's no weight in money or gold or whatever, Bitcoin, whatever it is, could pay the price. We couldn't buy our way into heaven. We couldn't donate our way to heaven. Nothing we could do could save ourselves. He had to come to save us. That is the point of a savior. That is the meaning of Christmas. He came to us in Jesus. He came as a baby Jesus to save us all. Why? Because he earned it? We earned it? Nope. Because we deserved it? That's a no. Because we were really good? Nope. Because it's entitled to us? We should? We we deserve it? It's entitlement? Nope. Why? In verse 4 it says, because of his kindness and his love. We aren't saved because of our good deeds. And I know we've heard this as Christian women But like, I don't know if we really understand it because I feel like if we really completely with our every fiber in our being understood the idea that we could not earn this, that there was nothing we could do for this, then we wouldn't be women, a generation of women who are focused on a to-do list and are focused on pleasing God as opposed to a relationship with God. So even if you were the goodest person... (laughs) That's not English, but whatever. The goodest person in the world, you still couldn't earn salvation. Mother Teresa, who was said to be like the sweetest, best person, did the best things, whatever. She was so good, yet her goodness didn't earn her any right to heaven. She had to know that Jesus Christ was her Savior and accept her him as her Lord and Savior, right? So contrary to that, contra- contrary to that there is nothing so bad that you can't do. In the last yesterday in the scripture, Paul was talking and he says, like, I'm the worst of the worst. Like, I'm the worst sinner. And yet mercy was obtained. Like, he was given mercy, even though he was the worst of the worst. The same idea applies here. There is nothing so bad that mercy isn't available to you. Even the baddest person, the worst person in the world, 
still has an opportunity to be saved. Salvation is still open to that person as well. Even if you're not good and you're not bad, you're somewhere in the middle. The person living the good life, they're blessed, they're comfortable. It's all good. Maybe even that lukewarm type of good. You can't lukewarm your way to heaven either. Salvation has to be given. He gave it to us and it has to be accepted. We have to know that we have a need for a savior, even lukewarm, good or bad, anything in between, right? Titus 3, 5 says he saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Friends, in our American culture, everything has everything to do with us. But this has nothing to do with us and the idea that we can't earn it. It wasn't entitled to us. We didn't deserve it. It's all because of him. It's all his mercy, his love, his kindness, his goodness that he decided to give us salvation. So I hope that resonates with someone listening today. I hope you know that there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation, just like there's nothing you can do to not earn it, right? It's given to you. It's a free gift. You just have to choose to accept it. So whatever the enemy is using to shine a light on right now, as I'm talking, he's bringing something to your mind like, "Mm, she doesn't know that you did this. She doesn't know that you were this person. She doesn't know that you did X, Y, Z. Friend, again, I don't need to know to know that I don't care because I know that the God we serve, scripture says he forgives. He shed his own son's blood so that you don't have to listen to those lies of the enemy anymore. You get to say, "Mm, nah, Satan, I'm done with this. You don't have a foothold of my life. The Lord has forgiven me. I have repented. He has thrown my sin as far as the east is from the west. So enemy, you have no foothold or condemnation or anything in my life anymore. Peace out, dude. Be gone. You get to say that, friend. So if the enemy is trying to bring something up in your mind right now and play games with you, I need you to say that out loud to him. I don't care if you have a friend next to you or, or a kid in the back seat. okay? You get to declare that you know that the Lord saved you and that anything of your past is forgiven because you've repented and you've accepted the Jesus as your Lord and Savior according to his mercy. All right, that was a freebie for someone, but I feel like the Lord was, somebody needed it. So here you go. Okay, verse five. He ends this by, um, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So if you're anywhere near Tennessee right now, it has been raining for like 10,000 bajillion days. Really, I think it's like 10 days now. So it's wet. It is muddy. It is gross outside. So I want you to picture this, whether it's your kid, if you have kids, if not, it's your dog, your grandkid, whatever season of life you're in. Or maybe you've seen this in the movies where that kid, we're going to use dog example. That dog is white and it is a golden retriever with long blonde hair. And homeboy just made a dash for that huge mud puddle and he is rolling around in it and he is having the best time, so much fun, but he is covered in mud. And he comes back to you completely covered in mud. We could just get a towel and try wiping him off and and doing a very poor job at that because all that would do is just smear the mud around, right? We could just put some clothes on him and pretend like there's not mud all over his fur coat. We could do any other reasons to get him clean. However, what he really needs is a washing He needs soap. He needs water. (laughs) And then their brown mud skin would become clean again with the washing. So if we are imagining our sin as that mud, 
before Jesus, we're muddy. There's sin, whether it's, I don't care what your sin is. It's sin. Sin is sin is mud, okay? And so you're covered in sin. You could wipe it off and try to do your own works and do it good things, and then maybe you would get it off of you. But really, you're just smearing it around or getting it less. What we really need is a washing of the living water of Jesus, who in this scripture says he saved us through the washing of rebirth. We need a cleansing from our old sins so that we could step out into this new fur coat like the dog was his Coat went from brown mud to golden blonde again, and we would go from dirty and muddy to clean and holy because of this washing. We've, uh, with that, the identity of Christ is comes on us, right? And so, then comes the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. All the mud that you had on you is gone, sis." Behold, new things have come. In verse 6 of ours, it says, Whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, God dwells within you. God actually lives inside of us through his Holy Spirit. You don't get parts of the Spirit or levels of the Spirit. You don't get pieces of the Spirit. There's no junior Holy Spirit for your children. The Spirit of God is a person, and we don't split up people. When you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. It says that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs, not A-I-R-S, but royalty, H-E-I-R-S, according to the hope of eternal life. Sin separated you from God, but when you receive Christ as your Savior, you are declared righteous, you are justified, you're not guilty, you are set free, not because of something you've done, because you're good enough, religious enough, you have enough money, any of that. Nope. It happens because God's kindness and mercy, like we talked about. Praise God for sending his son to be born over 2000 years ago, that his son would be the perfect sacrifice for my sin, for your sin. Praise God for his mercy and his love and his kindness for sending the Holy Spirit to dwell in us even today which we got a lot of Holy Spirit episodes coming out next year and this upcoming year, and I'm super excited about. Without any of this, though, Christmas would be meaningless. My two favorite words, but God. Because of that, Christmas is everything, and we get to celebrate that today, this weekend, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our family. I hope, friends, that this changes your posture today over Christmas Maybe it takes you from the craziness and the stress and the overwhelm and surrender to your knees. I hope we spend time on our knees this Christmas, giving him praise and worshiping and glorifying God for what he's done. That not by our works, nothing we could have done, but God chose to save us anyways with his mercy, his love, and his kindness. And that's for you, regardless of who you were, are, because he gives you a new identity and he knows who are you are to become. And so this episode, we talked about a lot. We talked about our salvation. We talked about sin. We talked about rebuking the enemy for not and not feeding us any of those stupid lies anymore. And we're ending it with changing our posture to be one of surrender and hopefulness and excitement. We're trading in the stress and the overwhelm for the mercy 
and the majesty and the wonders of Christmas. And so do that with me today, friend. Spend time. After this episode, you're going to press stop in 30 seconds, and you're just going to spend a minute thanking him, repenting if you need to repent, glorifying him, worshiping him in just words, nothing fancy, nothing crazy, holy in your words, what sounds like you to your loving father who saved you. I love you, friends. I'm excited for tomorrow. Tune in as we talk about some Mary and Martha, my homegirls, and we're going to talk about our posture again for this Christmas. 